So another Christmas is upon us, and we're beginning to bask in the warmth of the season, and in the process marvel that even those who profess no faith in our Lord Jesus, they really do know about the heroic couple and the manger and the baby and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and all the rest. But this morning, I want to tell you the story from a different perspective. It's not a, a mythical account like the little drummer boy or like the conversations between the animals in the stable or something like that. No, this one really happened. And I recall so clearly uh, several years ago when I came to appreciate the picture of what I'm going to be talking about this morning and, and what is actually taking place at that Christmas so long ago. I had always... Very much as a as a young and, and middle-aged and now old believer, known that Ephesians 6 passage that says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, remember that? But against the powers, the world, the forces of evil in heavenly places. So I'd like you to think of the manger. You're allowed to think of it. You're allowed to think of the of the couple and the, the baby and all the rest as we read Revelation chapter 12. Listen to this Christmas story. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. And his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. 
And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, times, and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured out of his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Here we have the real Christmas drama. A battle over Bethlehem, above the stable. It's a, it's a drama directed by God with a cast of characters that's fairly small, but very versatile. Let's, let's review as if this was a, an actual drama, the, the cast of characters for a minute. Who is the woman? You'd be surprised to learn, even though I'm convinced by now that every one of you in this room knows that the woman is Mary, that there is a lot of discussion in certain evangelical and other circles about what exactly this is. Now, the woman is, is Mary, but she's representing Israel. Do you see those 12 stars on her crown? The 12 sons of Israel, the 12 tribes there in verse 1. And she's giving birth to a male child who will rule all the nations. But this woman is also the church in all ages bringing forth Jesus. If 
you look in verses 13 through 17, and we won't read it again, but from Eve to Mary, and from the book of Acts to the end of the age, this is the woman who is the church bringing forth Jesus. In the Old Testament, Israel bringing forth generation after generation that one who would be the son of Abraham, the son of David, the son of God. And from the book of Acts to the end of the age, as the church brings forth Christ in their life, and is persecuted for it. This is Mary. This is the church. Who's the dragon? Okay, that's the second. Uh, that's the second uh, character in this drama. Well, we're told in verse nine pretty plainly that the dragon is Satan. But the dragon can also be the forces of Satan. However, he uses them. It's interesting to note that John penned the book of, of Revelation under the inspiration of, of God. At the end of the first century, where all the places where this book was read were governed by a Roman Empire built on seven hills that had ten provinces. You know, if, it could, if John had been writing today, he would probably have said uh, that, that the dragon had a huge tail like a great wall and held a red book in his hands and lots of china these are code words that are given to us to know that Satan and his forces are there and can and will be used and then of course who is the child the child is of course Jesus the Christ who will rule all the nations. And you can see it throughout the text there. So now, now it's time to watch the, the, the drama unfold. And, and here I need to address the, the kids in the room. This is your chance to really make it work. Okay, you, you, you start, you draw a little picture of the manger and the baby Jesus. And, and some people around there can be there, there can be Mary and Joseph and the, and the shepherds, and you can put the the, the angels over the over the the stable, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Okay. Now you got to do one more thing to make it work. You got to over on the other side above the, the, the stable, put this huge red dragon that's ready to devour the entire scene. And that's what God wants to show you here. 
Satan is seeking to destroy the baby. Look at his description. Exceedingly terrifying, powerful. He's able to wipe out a third of the stars of the sky. That's a that's a romantic description, but <clears throat> suffice to say, don't mess with this guy. He is dangerous. But think of it. Just as the history of the Bible is the history of God's carrying out his covenant of grace made with Abraham, but also made with Adam, and Eve, where in Genesis chapter 3, when they had sinned, God removes them from his presence, but he addresses Satan, the accuser and the tempter, and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. So Satan is on guard. He knows that the seed of the woman is his undoing. So it should not surprise us that this Christmas drama unfolds as it does so long ago. <clears throat> Do you see it as God speaks to the serpent? Those words of warning, he will bruise your head, a, a fatal bruise. And always, through all of human history, the dragon stands before the woman Ready, ready to destroy the child. Adam and Eve have a child, Cain, and then Abel, two little ones, and they grow. The seed of the woman who is going to destroy the serpent. And then there's jealousy. And Cain kills Abel. And, Abel. and Cain is banished by God. And Satan says, easy doing. I want no more seed of the woman. But then in Genesis 4, with a little fanfare, we read of the birth of Seth. And the line goes on. But then just a few chapters later in the book of Genesis, we read that in, in Genesis 6, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And he purposed to destroy the earth and man with it. But... Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. See how this works? Can you start to write the, the, the story now? 
and on, on it goes. God specifies that it will be of the seed of Abraham that the that the child will come that will destroy the serpent. <clears throat> and it takes her 91 years to conceive. But Sarah conceives a little baby boy, Isaac. And then, then God says, offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham says, God will provide the sacrifice. And there in the thicket is the ram, and, and the serpent stands before the woman, having lost one more time. And on and on it will go. We think of we think of God specifying David as the as the line through which the kingly Christ will come. And there in 1 Samuel 19, Saul picks up a spear and in his jealousy throws it at David. And he misses. Little things all the way through. The one I like the most comes comes in the in the divided kingdom. It's so subtle you can hardly see it. Uh, the, the kingdom divides. the The line of David is now so obscure that it's hard to see. But there in some of those dark days in 2 Kings chapter 11, David's line is still pure in Judah, but Athaliah, the wicked queen, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, sought absolute rule over everything in Israel. And she musters her army and has all the heirs to all the thrones murdered. Murdered. And the dragon stands before the woman and says, I will win. And then 2 Kings 11.2. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, the sister of Ahaziah took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered. She put him in and his nurse in a bedroom to hide them from Athaliah, so he was not killed. Now the final act of the Christmas drama unfolds. All the previous attempts have failed. Now the birth itself, that manger, that tender baby flesh, 
And there's the dragon standing before the child, ready to devour him. But God protects. Do you see it in verse 5? Look at, look at verse 5 as I say this. In one stroke of the pen, we race from the manger birth in Bethlehem through the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus, through his trials before Pilate and Herod and the Sanhedrin, past his death and resurrection, to his ascension to the right hand of the Father. From heaven he came, to heaven he returned, mission impossible. In one more stroke of the pen in verse 6, look at it. The whole doctrine of the perseverance of the saints unfolds. The whole history of the church from the book of Acts until the, until the, the end of time, until Christ's return is told. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. But how? How is the child protected? <clears throat> the result is war in heaven. Think of those words. You, you see those, those words right at the start of verse 7? War arose in heaven. What do you know from, from the gospel accounts? The angels are saying in Luke, peace on earth, war in heaven. Do you see the juxtaposition of those two things? At the same time, this fantastic scene, Gabriel and his herald angels announcing the good news while Michael and his forces do battle over the manger. Can you paint it vividly and see it? A war. A war in which Satan is defeated. There in verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> clearing the way for Jesus to become the second Adam. To die on the cross for the sins of his people. God's salvation is established there in verses 10 and 11. Wonderful things. Loud voice in heaven. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. This is a pronouncement. This is the way it is. This is not, well, maybe, maybe that'll happen. God's salvation is established. Satan has no more accusations to make because Jesus has lived his sinless life, his, his obedient life, has died as a substitutionary sacrifice and has been raised again for us. We of this age have been given both a promise and a warning. The promise is of the heavenly kingdom of which we are now members. 
on this earth. We need to tell ourselves in these tough times that he did it. These, these earthly nations, they're nothing. We're, we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We should know better. But those of the earthly kingdom without, without Christ are subject to the power and activity of Satan, confused and unable to know the truth living futile lives. As Paul, Paul describes this uh, as, you, uh, as you compare verses 9 and 12 to Ephesians 4. Listen to these words. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with continual lust for more. What does this spiritual drama of this battle over Bethlehem mean for us? First, spiritual realities of life are true and real and very important. This birth rocked not only the earth, but the heavens, heaped coals on hell. This spiritual battle, which involved us and still does, asks us are we in the fight? Do we feel the tension? God accomplishes his purposes in our lives in the same way that he brought about the birth of his son to the world. He can do it. But it also, this spiritual drama of the battle over Bethlehem reminds us that every human being in this world today has a stake in this drama. For those of us who believe that Jesus is our Savior, the serpent may bruise our heel, and it may hurt a lot, and cause pain and difficulty and calamity and frustration and even doubt. But he is a defeated enemy. That's why, that's why James tells us in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why? Because Revelation 12 tells us that his time is short. Why? Because his forces are limited now. And as in every guerrilla insurgency, there are no reserves. The purpose of God is to build his church, and he cannot and will not withstand. But for those who don't believe, 
don't believe yet. And, and perhaps I'm speaking to some of you here in this room or, or via the, uh, the video link. The explanation of the great difficulty and frustration and, and confusion in your life is the spiritual forces at work in this battle that is still raging. Believe what God has said. That is the truth. The promise of protection forever is in Jesus the Christ. Satan need no longer be your accuser day and night. Yeah, you know it's true what he says about you. But Jesus has died for your sins. The good news is that Jesus, the all-powerful, only begotten Son of God who has come down to earth, has lived an obedient, sinless life and died a substitutionary, sacrificial death for the sins of his people and was raised from the dead with full authority to grant you the privilege of sharing in his gracious gift of salvation by just trusting in his work and not your own. So in the warmth of this Christmas season, turn from your life and your sins and deception to the forgiveness offered by the Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, church of the Lord Jesus, as we bask in the warmth of this Christmas season, may God grant that every one of you will stand in awe of the battle over Bethlehem and join with zeal in the sure and certain hope of victory in the last battle that is now being waged by Satan and his forces against those who in verse 17 of the text says who obey God's commandments and who hold to the testimony of Jesus and he grant you the faith and courage to, to obey to the last and to love God with all your heart. That's right. Take then these words, O oh Lord, and use them to encourage and strengthen and change us. Give us your help and guidance in Christ's name.